welcome to episode 54 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome on to episode 54 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? I'm good. I'm nice and refreshed. I had an hour and a half on the bike this morning versus your and mammoth five and a half. Five and a half by <laughs> myself. It's the first time in years since I've done it. Uh-huh. I would spit at the wall. It's a bit lonely out there by myself. I was thinking, where's John when I need him? It's a tough life. Uh, Iron Man Talk is brought to you by... Coffees of Hawaii. For all your coffee needs, go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Hour and a half, what's that? <laughs> Part-timer now. <laughs> Part-timer. Anyway, we've got news coming up for this week. Not a lot of news, There's a couple of little bits coming on. We've got website of the week, age grouper of the week. We're not doing high five this week. We're meant to be doing downhill running, but John said he vetoed it. Vetoed it. We've uh, interviewed Emily this week, so... Uh, filled that gap. Filled that gap. And we've got a little coach's corner on, just a bit on... Epic Wait a second, training. I always go, coach's corner, what coach's corner on this week? Okay. We've, got, we've got a little bit on... Epic, a system, mate. Epic training this week, and uh, <sighs> when to do, what to do how long to do it for and so on questions and answers pretty exciting time questions and answers because we had a first Skype question oh did we yeah so you're springing that one on me oh, did you not did you not do the work I haven't listened to that yeah. no oh Christ yeah. well we've, got, we've, got the, uh, we've got the video the DVD yeah, we had a couple so I had to choose the best one oh mm. okay so somebody will be receiving I'm so excited anyway news uh, news. So what's happening? News. We had a few races, which is kind of cool. Good races happening. Big race weekend. So let's start with an Ironman. Ironman. So we had Ironman Australia, and hats off to bloody uh, what's his name, Patrick Vernay. What an outstanding race he had. He uh, was right up there after the swim, forty-six fifty-seven. So right up there with the leaders. And then I just watched a little bit of online during the live coverage, and he just rode away with one other guy whose name eludes me now. It was an Aussie guy, just rode away with him. And uh, they cleared out on the bike. He rode 4.45. And, you know, you'd expect somebody who's out in front um, after the bike to, you know, maybe struggle a bit on the run and maybe yep. just hang on and maybe pull out like a three-hour marathon to win or something. Yep. No, he ran a 2.49.39. Wow. Outstanding. 8.21.49 on that course in Australia. It's a very, very tough course, very quite technical course on the bike. So that's an outstanding result, I think. So Patrick Verne, uh, I don't know much. I know the name, but I don't know much about him. So he's a French guy, um, but I think he originates from New Caledonia because I, I have a feeling his father actually runs the New Caledonia International Triathlon, which is quite a prestigious race. Got quite good money. Yeah. Um, you always get the likes of Simon Lessing and Hamish Carter doing that race. So uh, I'm not sure if he was brought up there or in France, but I used to race against him quite a bit in France, and he's just a really good, solid all-round athlete, no yep. no weaknesses. Would this be his first win, or are you not sure? I think he got second or third last year, yep. but he's been in the top ten in Hawaii, so he's, he's no slouch. Yeah, he's a solid but, athlete. But I'm pretty sure it's the first time he's won a race. So. Well, that's awesome for me. I mean, we know how good a runner Jason Shortest is, and Jason Shortest took, what, 20 or, or 12 seconds or 20, Faster, 22 yeah. seconds out of him on the run, so... Just a, a brilliant race. And actually rode better than Shortest, and Shortest is a pretty good rider too. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so uh, we had Jason Shortest in second place. He was about four minutes down. And then um, Crowey. Crowey. Now, Crowey was either going to do one or two things in this race, I thought. He was either going to treat it like a 70.3 and go out and absolutely smash it yep. and, and see what happened, 
or he was going to do that and blow up, or he's going to do that and win, yeah. um, or he was going to have a, what looked like a reasonably conservative day. So he either didn't feel good, or or he was just going nice and conservative. But I thought it was a really good result for him. Eight thirty-eight in his first Ironman. We know he's talented, um, but I, but I think you know if he wants to go down the Ironman path, he could do quite well. Well, you know, it's probably the unknown for him, so he probably was a little bit on the conservative side. I imagine he probably wanted to have a, you know, winning it was obviously a goal, but to be a solid race at the end of the day was probably just as important. But he certainly ran up from quite a long way back. He ran a 2.54, and I know he was down in maybe 7th or 8th or something like that coming yeah. off the bike. 11th. So it was 11th. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so really good day for him, uh, third place. I think he's much more suited to short course racing, but I think given that result there, if he did want to... Go, go down the Ironman path I think he could do really well because Craig Alexander's 33 now so when you get to what kind of age do you get too old to be doing short course well I think he's too, he's, he's getting on a bit for in terms of Olympic distance yeah, but yeah. I think for half Ironman I don't think there's, there's too much of an issue at all um, but he's really steered away from the Olympic, the, the, the Olympic drafting stuff he's really good at the short course non-drafting races but whenever he goes and tries to do a drafting race that, those guys are really more the, the guys in their 20s and, yeah. and, and sort of start petering out once they hit their 30s yeah. so, so maybe he's passed it a bit for that but, but he's still still a really solid athlete then we had Mitch Anderson, who uh, again, you know, fast bike ride. He uh, blitzed the course last year in Western Australia, so he held on for for fourth. Pretty pretty slow run time, three ten. Yeah. Um, and then I think the rest were, were a lot of Aussies. Interesting to see Luke Dragster um, running up a pretty terrible bike ride for him, five hours ten minutes. Um, but he pulled out a three hour three oh one marathon to pull himself into the into ninth place. So yeah. just goes to show, you know, if you can pull out a three hour marathon, you can pretty much come from anywhere on the course and still do really well at pretty much any Ironman around the world. Yeah. And the first age group I think was Lee Chapman in tenth place. Now he's an eight racing as an age grouper, but he's actually a former pro. He used to race short course in Europe and World Cup racing, so Nice to see he's still, still young. He's only twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to race him a little bit in, in Europe as well. So it's a good first up Ironman for him, and I understand he's off to Hawaii. So could be a real threat for that uh, for for getting on the podium in that age group. Yeah, definitely. So on the female side of things, well, Rebecca Keat took it out. You picked her, I think. Yeah, she she's outstanding run three oh four. Yeah, you know. And we, we looked. If you look at the guys' splits, there weren't many guys that went under three hours. Yeah, so that's a standing run, isn't it? Just, just a, a phenomenal, absolutely brilliant run. So, um, the story of the race was Belinda Granger and Melissa Ashton really put the smackdown on the bike. They rode five oh nine and five ten respectively. Smackdown, I like that. <laughs> the smackdown. They laid down it. And then, uh, and it was a pretty close race for second, really. But but Rebecca Keat, uh, Rebecca Keat was just a class above. You know, nine twelve again on that course. Wow. Brilliant, brilliant race. And, Just an uh, amazing run. Yeah, fantastic. So if, if she can keep that up, I mean, she's got to be a really big threat for, for Kona because Belinda Granger, you know, is, is a regular in the top ten. You know, she's yep. finished as high as maybe sixth and seventh. So so I think Rebecca Keat could be a serious threat. Hey, so what happened to Lisa Bentley? Do you know what happened there? No, I know she was she, way she down. Oh, she did finish. Yeah, she came in about, what, 17th place in the mm. time of... Ten twenty nine, but she she had a bad day. she had a bad run. I mean, a bad bike, and then obviously you know had, yeah. had some serious issues. So you know it could be one of a few things. It may have just been she she got really sick. You know maybe just had a really bad day, and then then you know you lose your motivation a bit on the run. Um, it could be you know maybe she's taking the approach that she doesn't want to be in super shape in April, and, yep. and taking the whole approach where maybe she wants to really focus everything and. In Kona this year, which she hasn't done in the past, so so we've sort of watch that. You know, you do have up and day downs, up, up and day 
Up and down days. Up and down days. But, uh, <laughs> we're just going to leave that one go, eh? So we had Belinda Granger. She, she hung on for second in 9 hours 20. Still a pretty respectable time. Yeah, far, yeah. And Melissa, Melissa Ashton uh, hung tough as well and did 9.23. So. I think the other exciting thing for Rebecca Keat is that she's only 29 and on the female side of things, you know, you, you last till you're 40. Exactly. You know, and so like she's got a long career in front of her and if she can keep developing another five years from now, maybe she'll be mm. the next, you know, Lisa Bentley of the world. Um, one thing, I did get some feedback just before we started the show, actually, from a guy called Ben. I'm, I'm, I just remember this recording it, but he was just saying the video coverage was awesome. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, he was just saying it was nearly as good as the Kona video coverage, yeah. so uh, yeah. I, I didn't get a chance. I was away this weekend, I didn't get to see any of it, but... Um, from, from what I, the, when I did a little bit of watching, it was really it was more fixed cameras than what you might get in Kona. So yep. you did you did get to see it, and it was really good commentary. Uh, but it was it was more fixed cameras. I didn't see a lot of moving stuff. Oh, following, yeah. But, but still, that's great to it, it, yeah, the delivering on that content. And one, one other person, I, I I was gonna pull her as our age grouper of the week, but Bevan vetoed me because she well, did she's a pro. She enters pro, but I thought it was a pretty impressive this is an age grouper. Yeah, pretty impressive. Eleventh <laughs> um, place was Leanne Southwell, and she's thirty eight years old. And her occupation is a mother of four. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Respect. 10 19, she finished 11th place. Oh, that's it. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Mother of four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, well done to everybody who did uh, Ironman Australia. Ironman Australia. Uh, and we also had 70.3. Mm. California. And look at this on the picture on their website. They've got them running on the beach. Yeah, I wonder if they do that. But that would be uh, that'd that'd make be it hard work, eh? Hey? Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just for a section to kind of give it the feel. Yeah. Imagine doing a half marathon on the beach. Wouldn't be fun. No. Would not be fun. No, so you picked it, mate. I picked it. Luckily, we don't do the picks nowadays because you'd be dominating. Would be. <laughs> Andy Potts, uh, Bevan was pretty impressed with his swim. Oh, 22 minutes. Yeah, so he's an outstanding swimmer. On the on the, uh, the World Cup circuit, he's always, pretty much always first out of the swim. So he's three minutes faster than anyone else. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's daylight. Yeah, it's, it's huge. So. He's an outstanding athlete, and, and I'm picking him to, to be on the podium in the Beijing Olympics, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the race. He's that strong now that he can actually ride away from the fields, and he's a very good runner. How, run 115 for the half. 115, and that looks like the fastest run split of the day, just scanning down. Oh, so. someone else got it. Oh, uh, yeah. Michael Levado outsplit him by one second. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's just a... Brilliant but he was the bike, so yeah. yeah. So ran, swam at 22 minutes, rode 218, and then ran a 115 for a 359, winning by four minutes. That's impressive, eh? 115. And my big question was, what happened to Luke Bell? Because he was right up there and ended up finishing in 11th place. So yeah, his uh, streak is over. You seem to think he, he didn't uh, lose. No, last year he definitely didn't lose a race in the 70.3. So yeah, he's definitely he must have blown up in the run. He did 123, uh, but not a you know not a uh, 219. He was right there on, onto the run, but just must have blown up. Or or sprained an ankle or yeah. something. Sixth place coming off the bike, so. Mm. so mm. But uh, but a lot of the not we, Chris McCormick was down to race. I thought in the, in the originally, so I don't know quite happened what him what happened to him. Yeah, a little tongue tied today. That's all right. Uh, second, I'll look after you. Second, oh, thanks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Second place was Yinks. I'll let you do the surname. Jens Kofud? Uh, Kofud? Yeah. Kofid, so he yeah. came back from a bit of a slower swim to to finish in second place. Third place was Lewis Elliott. Again, came down from a reasonably slow swim. To Richie Cummins and Cunningham Richie came out and took Monday, it out. Monday, Tuesday. Happy days. <laughs> Happy days. Beautiful. Um, okay, chit-chat things. What's happening in the girls? What's happening in the girls? We're just kind of bring that. So we right had now. the uh, the short course girls versus the long course girls here. Oh, and Kate the, Major the took long it. Course, long course girls actually took it out. Wow. So Becky Lavelle uh, was sort of right up there. 
early on along with uh, Leander Cave uh, but the long course, course skills really took over on the run so Kate Major pulled out a 121 to win it reasonably comfortably in 4 hours 26 minutes and that's another great run isn't seconds. it yeah very good run yeah uh, so she was you know a long way down out of the swim steady on the bike and, and blitzed the run and then uh, Dee Dee Griesbauer and I think she did quite well in Kona didn't she she had a great swim, steady on the bike, and uh, a bit slow on the run, but yep. still finished in second place, 4 hours 31. And then Becky Lavelle, who's more of a short course girl, uh, she also struggled a little bit on the run, only running a 1.30 and finishing a 4.33. So pretty good uh, close racing there between sort of uh, the top top five or so. We had a few of the Epic Camp boys on the camp, mm. on the race I should say, mm. and uh, Albert actually, I sent Albert an email saying he actually won his age group, which is yeah, pretty cool, and he said he had a pretty hard run because... Uh, a, few, a couple of guys came off the bike with him, and the first lap he just couldn't drop one guy, and he had to run hard. Yeah, so the Albinator finished in 23rd place, I Overall, think, which yeah. was, uh, pretty was pretty impressive. impressive. And yeah. Mark Pietrofessa, he went pretty solid as well. Yeah, he got fourth, and Mike Montgomery, the, the, the Terminator, the madman, yeah. uh, he managed to get third in his age group of 35 to 39. So, yeah. Rhodesy didn't finish. Yeah. Oh well. Oh, well, life goes on. <laughs> and a few of the other Epic Camp boys from last year were there. I wonder if it was, a, was it a qualifier for Hawaii or not? I don't know if it oh, was. Oh, they're all qualifiers in the 70.3. You know, but for, 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 the, for Hawaii. Oh, because they do Man. that. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was actually. Well, no, it is. There you go. Oh, yeah, very good. Oh, well. So there you go. And anything else? That's about it from the 70.3. Okay, and we also had another 70.3 in Auckland of New half Zealand. Ironman. It's not a 70.3. Oh, sorry, it's, it's a half, half Ironman. Man. We had a half Ironman in the. Auckland, New Zealand, and who took it out? We had Konstantin Bashor, which is a German dude who's been training down here in Christchurch, really just dominated and won by around about 12 minutes. Very, very tough course. Yep. It was a bit closer on the female side of things. Um, Fee Doherty was actually racing, but I think she had some problems with a puncher and also a couple of bee stings, from what I understand. Oh, really? You know, I just about swallowed a wasp today. I know. Yeah? Yeah. And I caught it in my lips. And then you Come, I, I was flying, I saw it just the last second, closed my lips, boom, got it in my mouth, yeah. boom. Could have had a little snack. You might not have blown up. Well, no, because it could have stunned you. <laughs> it was reaction time. It was unbelievable. I tell you. <laughs> but, uh, and on the girls' side of things, um, Fleur Bromley actually ended up taking it out, but she went past one of our former age groupers of the week, um, Celia Kirch, who's obviously spent the summer out here because she raced the Challenge Wanaka, uh, Ironman New Zealand, and now the uh, half Ironman, Auckland Half Ironman. So uh, there is, we haven't got a whole lot of results. They're not actually up yet, but there's some good pictures up on sportshub.com, which is a New Zealand sort of uh, triathlon and multi-sports site. Yep. Um, so well done to all you guys. And that pretty much wraps up our racing in New Zealand for the season, other than the exterior, which is coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So you've got not much happening in racing in the next few weeks. Have you lost your source, have you? There's no, there, I don't know, I've got my sources, but there's, there's nothing happening. We've got Arizona coming up in a few weeks' time. Yep. There'll be a few half Ironmans sort of dotted around the place, but, but nothing really major coming up. Okay, so another news, we've got the Ford 70-point, no, the Ford Ironman World Championship 2006 broadcast nomination for an Emmy Award. Yes. Pretty exciting. It is. I think they've been up before. If you go back to the show notes, uh, so the category they're actually nominated for is outstanding edited sports special. So does that mean that it's that you know in those awards they have so many flippers? Yeah, but I imagine maybe they have the live one and the edited one is when yeah. after the event. Yeah. So yeah. 
Um, we haven't seen it yet, so... No, I have. I oh, have you? Yeah, because uh, one of our listeners sent us the video. Did I not give that to you? Oh, thanks, mate. Joel. Yeah, Joel yeah. gave it to us. Oh, great. So I'll, I'll watch oh, that. It was amazing. It should win an award. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll pass my judgment on that next week. <laughs> I'll give it to you now. It's great. Just, yeah, sweet. Okay. Thanks for that, Joel. And uh, I'll watch it on the plane tomorrow. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so... Yeah, we'll wait and see what happens with whether they get an Emmy. I think they have got some awards in the past. Yeah, they must have. It obviously must be pretty good coverage. It's still good to see that they're getting that recognition, eh? Because mm. it's good for the sport. Mm, exactly. Definitely. TVNZ is now going to be showing Iron no, Man New Zealand. No, no. Oh, uh, Iron Man New Zealand on TV. Oh, okay. Not so TVNZ. For, for Kiwi listeners, uh, what date is today? Today it's the third. So the first showing of Iron Man New Zealand is going to be on Sky Sport tomorrow, Wednesday the 4th, and it's going to be on the 5th and the 6th and the 10th. If you go to ironman.co.nz, you'll be able to see uh, what channels it on. it's on and so on. So it's on this week. So we'll be interested to see how that goes. I'll get a video copy and I'll pass it on to you. That's good. Make sure you do it straight away because I hate having to wait. Yeah. <laughs> so we had our discussion of the week last week and we were talking about the cost of doing an Ironman race. Is it fair? Is it too expensive? Uh, you know, should it be cheaper? And if it isn't, you know, if it is too expensive, what do you feel you should actually get more of? Didn't get a huge amount of answers, but that's cool, you know. <laughs> we'll live with Pick that. up your game, come on. <laughs> um, so we'll just go through one by one. Vegan, he says it's an expensive event, add accommodation, travel, kit, etc. Uh, makes it pretty costly, is it worth it? Well, he's saying, uh, yep, it's second to none. Obviously, the license to Kona Solace adds the price, but I think it's worth it. Would If you want to do two or three of these years, the cost would be pretty restrictive, though. And he said he'd be peed off if he went to an official Ironman event and didn't get the kind of excellent organisation that yep. sort of synonymous with. Um, Chris Nicholson said the price is pretty fair. You know, there's so much that they added on in the three days. You've got it at the expos, the meals, and so on. So, uh, so he thinks it's it's pretty fair. And uh, Ollie uh, thinks that he he was saying how he did it in the Monaco 70.3 and it was 300 euro. Uh, I know that for my first shot at doing long distance, I wanted to be in a licensed Ironman event, but now that the first is out of the way, I'm happy to do something that's not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good point, eh? Like a lot of people, like Challenge Wanaka, you know, like Challenge Wanaka is a great race, and you know, once you've done your kind of your first Ironman, I think you get, you know, you've had it and you've done it. And like for me, um, I don't feel by me doing Roth that I can say I've done six route. Ironman route, I should say, but not saying by just doing route, I've still done six Ironman. Exactly. In my in my book, it doesn't have to have the tag. Yep. Um, Mark, who said he's only done quarter lane, um, but we say the price is uh, is worth it. And you know where he where he's from, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. You know there's no other sort of events that that really come up to that standard in terms of professionalism and, and delivering, you know, lots of add-on sort of products and and, uh, and events. Phil from Farnham in the UK, long time listener, first time poster. Mm. We like that. Good on you, Phil. Uh, I think you're now paying for the Ironman label. If it costs so much to put on an Ironman distance race, why are they not? Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Um, first race, longest day. So, as he was saying, I'll pony out the funds. To maybe you should do your preparation. Well, maybe I should, actually. But next year, okay, so he's saying that basically he was willing to pay the money initially. Kind of the same point again. But, um, you know, for example, doing Ruth. Wrote. Uh, kind of did a complete combination there, didn't I? Um, wrote. Um, you know, he'd much rather do that race next year because he's already done his WTC race. So. Uh, and finally, Stilio, Stilio says the price is about right. He did Ironman Australia in 2001, even though he thought the cost was initially expensive. Once he experienced a WTC event, he thought the service was second to none and the price was justified. So, uh, what's your feeling on it? Um, 
it's kind of pretty similar to what these people are sort of saying is, is I'm, I'm fairly happy paying that sort of money to enter as long as you get all a, a really quality product. Did you pay for your last race? So I pay for, I pay for everything. He got a free entry. Oh, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> I'd already paid my money and I was like, and he goes, oh, I got a free entry. And I was like, oh, you're swine. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if I went to an event and it was substandard service, but like anything in life, I'd be really peed off. I mean, I have been to events where I've you know, paid, I have paid the entry fee. And, back uh, in the old days, eh? Back in, the, back in, back in Nam. <laughs> and and you, you you turn up and you get a, a race t-shirt and that's about it and the service on the course is crap and you don't yeah. have any awards or anything like that and and that really annoys me so I think you know as a whole Ironman corporation have set the bar very very high and and you, you do generally get good service but. Uh, I, I, I do feel that you're paying a premium. Oh, yeah. Um, like, for example, was my friend Chris, who I went and stayed with, he kind of heard about it on the show. Um, he was saying how he went and did the Gold Rush, which is a big uh, three-day multi-sport, and he took a team and he supported them. It's a big three-day multi-sport race down in South Island in Christchurch, I mean, in South Island of New Zealand. And he was just saying how the, the price was about $200 New Zealand and you got fed for three days, and it was just such a great event. And if you compare it to that, you could say... You know, it is quite expensive. And I think, in a way, you do pay a premium to do an Ironman event. Um, and that's just the way it is, I think, if you want to do an Ironman event. But it, it, I do feel you get your value for money. I come mm. away from the race, you get two meals. The race organisation is amazing. You get you all make your race. You make the most of those meals, don't you? Oh, yeah, if I hurt you, I go up for like five times. Devin, Devin comes out of these places with little plastic bags <laughs> loaded down. He's got, his, he's got a truck out back. He's got his food for the next week. <laughs> so, um, But also, you get that, you get your t shirt, you get your medal, you get. Um, race day nutrition like I do feel and they add extras in there like seminars and stuff so I feel it is a premium but it's a premium I'm willing to pay because I still pay mm. yeah yeah. So. <laughs> so one of the things that I just it's sort of a little bit disappointing the way the sport's going is there's not a whole lot of cheap events anymore not, not a no. whole lot of fun events where you just go out there and, and just give it a bash and there's not too many marshals and sort of old school stuff which is why I think races like Challenge Wanaka are quite appealing because it is sort of going back to that way where you're out there on your own and, uh, yep, yep, and you're not yep. sort of getting pussyfooted around. Um, so, so it was a different experience, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And um, and it's because you really were. You were out by yourself, and yeah. you'd see you cruise occasionally, but you're basically just. So next summer, I'm actually organising a couple of informal events for me and a few mates to do, and uh, no marshals or anything like yeah. that, and just going. Hardcore. Yeah. So I think that's cool. It's one thing John does a lot of is you'll get an email saying, "Okay, we're doing this, and if you want to turn up, you turn up, and you'll get maybe you know some days you get hardly anyone, and other days you make twenty people, and it's." It's just really cool, you know. It's just a group of people trying to set a challenge and doing it. So yeah. do that for your own crew. And question for this week. Question for this week. We're, we're struggling. Actually, maybe what we should do one week is have what should be the question for the discussion. Yeah, give us some questions for discussion because we are struggling a little bit. So if you want to email some of those in, that would be great. Yeah. But the, the question really this week was, um, and it's going to actually lead on to questions and answers further down the, the show, is what do you think's the, the hardest Ironman in terms of the course out there, excluding Kona? Yeah. Um, what is the hardest Ironman course? So we're not talking about Ironman distance, we're talking about... It has to be WTC. WTC event. What's, what's the hardest course out there? Yeah. So there we go. That's our yeah. topic of the week. Discussion for the week. So anyway, that's our news for the week. John's trying to get rid of a fly. Flies. Uh, flies. Anyway. Anyway. We're going back to Australia. Back to Australia. They're doing all right in the cricket, aren't they? Yeah. But we're doing pretty good too. Until they hit us and we're going to smack them. Yeah, because they're like our, they're like our puppies. Yeah. They dominate them. 
So we've anyway. got, got a super name here. It's the winner of the female 40 to 44 age group. No, and the nice thing about her was that she was the top end 44. Mm. You know, because you often get the people who come through from the, you know, the 39 people come to 40 and they kind of dominate the age group for a period, but she's at the later end of the age group. And it was a close race. Took it out. Slower swim. She was about well, 10 minutes behind the top girl on the yeah. swim. Yeah. Right. And then... Uh, Five fifty-three on the bike and three thirty-seven on the run for a combined time of ten hours thirty-four minutes. What's her name, John? <laughs> Righty ho. I was hoping Bevan might go for this, but I'm going to give it a crack. Solvig Geisland. Geisland. So she was six hundred and eight <laughs> out of the swim, five thirteen on the bike, and two hundred and forty-three. So came through the field pretty nicely. Ended up winning by less than a minute, around about forty-five seconds. Click on her name so we can see where she's uh, where she's from. Okay, where's she from? Pretty impressive. Ten out thirty. No, yeah. That's a pretty respectable time for a female and most Iron Man. Oman. Oman. There we go. Where's so Oman? Oman is like in uh, sort of one of those Arab countries, sort of around Saudi Arabia. Wow. So she's retired and she's 40, 44, 80, 44 years of age. So fantastic. Retired result. at forty four. Oh, that's sensational. That. Okay, so let's see how she went overall. She must twentieth overall. Twentieth overall. So that's great work because it's pretty solid. competitive race in the way of female side of things. So, Solvik. You are uh, age grouper of the week. It's beautiful. I wonder if they struggle saying our names. Oh, yeah. They must say. Bear one. Bear one. Bear one. Bear Lots of people spell your name wrong, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. So, so have you, but you yeah. get the E. Yeah. So, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> anyway. Website of the week. We, we've got pretty good out of the year, haven't we? We're synchronized. Oh, we get the harmony, it just sounds perfect. Yeah, it does. Website of the week, go on then. Okay, so this one somehow ended up in my email box this week. I don't know how they got hold of me. Actually, we've been getting lots of recommendations for yeah. websites. So if you've given to them to us and you don't hear them, they will come up eventually because we just keep getting more of them. Yeah, I know Glenn's website's up there. Okay, so the website is k226.com. Not sure how long it's been around, uh, but basically it's a collection of all non-WTC Ironman event distance events. So K226 is obviously how far an Ironman is in kilometres, hence the K. Nice. Uh, so it's really just a great place to go and find out different events around the world that aren't Ironman races. So you've got things like you know Challenge Road, you've got Challenge Queenstown, uh, and there's a hell of a lot of other events in there. There's lots in, yeah. you know, some in Slovakia, Sweden, Venezuela, Czech Republic, France, Germany, Spain... Netherlands, they're just everywhere. So Timberman. great site, and and the, and when you sort of uh, read on the site why they set it up, the Iron just... Man revised. Oh, okay. They do one in where well, is it in Hawaii? Uh-huh. Called Iron Man. Yeah, Iron That's Man really revised. Held, uh... Okay, there we go. I'm reading into it because I'm fascinated just... by it. Yeah, so it's basically the guys set the site up because they would. I don't know if disillusioned was the right word, but really want to go back to old school racing and get away from the WTC side of things. So um, the site is k226.com. So if you are looking for a non-Ironman event or maybe you missed out on getting into an Ironman... Or you're travelling somewhere in the world. Check this out and it's a pretty comprehensive list. What's pretty cool is that so the original Ironman was actually done, the original Hawaii Ironman was done in... In this place. In this place. And so you actually get to do it on the original course. Yeah, so very good. It's on the uh, 12th of August. I'm doing it. Well, no, I'm not, but still. Yeah. So Entry fee is 1250 but it looks like it's a fundraiser, doesn't it? For challenge athletes. There you go. So, there go. Okay, beautiful. That is our website of the, the week. week. Oh, sneaky. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we get go. it out. Get her out the nun. 
better out than in. Okay, so we'll do our M interview now. So uh, we've got M on the show for for now, and yes. uh, we had we focused mainly on some CLX questions. And just bear in mind, there's a few little, the, the old New Zealand high speed internet isn't quite uh, what it should be. Tell you what. And uh, there's a few little bits where M cuts out, so just bear with us on that. But uh, yeah, just for you guys, um, personal interest maybe in, in uh, gluten free products, and also the guys that do suffer from it, um, I'm sure you're going to get some good tips out of this. And we're going to make M a bit of a regular. Um, Feature? Columnist. Columnist, but she's not writing. Well, she's talking. <laughs> Star of the show. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably have her once every couple months, and we'll have specific topics for that period. So this is why we went with this topic today. So here's him. So on the show this week, backed by popular demand, we've got Emily Miazga. She's not actually in the prestigious Iron Man Talk studios she this week. Gutted. She's very disappointed about that. She's actually sitting over on the west coast of New Zealand in her new little... Batch over or home over there. Home on the batch. So uh, welcome along, Em. How's how's your day been so far? Hey guys, thanks. It's been really good. I, I've actually spent the morning cruising around Westport. Um, had to get some work done on the old cookie mobile. So, yeah, the thriving metropolis. Yeah. So last time we were on the you're on the show, we um, came up with the old nickname for Bevan, the old Mully, and uh, it's fair to say that it, it has stuck and it's firmly in place now. So uh, it was one of the highlights of someone's lead year on, in the best of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, I wasn't so, happy about that. So what, what oh, we're going to what we're going to focus on today is um, Em's going to be on the show every now and then for for the rest of the year, and we're going to really focus on a few topics here and there. And uh, one of the questions we've had recently, I think it was uh, Matthew might have sent it in, was uh, really regarding sort of gluten free diets and, and celiacs and so on. So. We thought we might um, pick Em's brains a little bit about this and, and really understand what's going on. And for you guys that have got these issues, um, hopefully you'll get something out of this. Um, so Em, you know, tell us a bit about um, celiacs, and it's, it's I think it's more commonly known as sort of gluten intolerance. Yeah, yeah, celiac uh, disease. It's also known as gluten sensitive enteropathy, which is Ooh. kind of a fancy name for um, an inflammation of your gut essentially but um but what it is is it, it, it's an infla- inflammatory disease of the small intestine and it's caused by when when people eat certain proteins in certain foods and it's called gliadin mm-hmm. and that's found in the gluten in oats barley wheat rye and other hybrid um, grains of these cereals mm-hmm. so um there's, I actually did a bit of research on this one and looking at the, the prevalence of celiac disease in Australia and New Zealand, it's about one in every 84 people has, has um, true celiac disease. Wow. And the prevalence among females versus males, it's about twice as many women as men have celiac disease. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Hmm. Hey, so what are the actual symptoms for, for people who, like, you know, obviously some people don't know they have it. What are some symptoms that you've mm. got it? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that about the no symptoms thing because there are a lot of people who who may exhibit little or no symptoms and so in actuality the numbers or the stats that, that one in every eighty four people may actually be higher than what than what we are aware of because of, of the lack of the symptoms. But um some of the symptoms that indicate that you do have celiacs include abdominal pain, bloating, fatigue weight loss, uh, mild diarrhea, and steatorrhea. Steatorrhea is um, diarrhea, particularly with fatty particles in it, mm. which is, um, yeah, it has so a certain smell you check to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, mouth, mouth ulcers, glossitis, and uh, stomatitis may also be present. And 
basically what, what the glossitis is, is just a general inflammation of the mouth. And same thing with the stomatitis, it's an inflammation of the stomach. And in more chronic cases, so if you've had it for a long time and you've been, you know, going going without um, without treatment, you can have osteomalacia, which is softening of the bones, osteoporosis, which is bone loss, and anemia due to um, iron and or folate deficiencies, and also hypoalbuminemia, which is a low level of blood protein, which is something that we look at in clinical dietetics. If you have a low blood protein, that's indicative uh, generally just of a poor um poor nutritional status in general and of course for athletes in particular it you know it, it holds some significance because you're you're going to be greatly compromising your ability to perform and also to recover well, got any of those symptoms there Bevan? well let's not go there diarrhea's been looking okay lately it's been pretty good lately <laughs> in control i mean yeah, it, it but does in, in terms of diet oh sorry i was just going to say in terms of diagnosing um the, the celiac disease, they they measure your total serum IgA, which which is just an antibody associated with the with the gliad, and as well as your um, there's a couple other things that they test for, and they're actually quite sensitive tests, and they're more specific than the previously used anti-gliadin antibody test, and a positive antibody test should always be followed by a small bowel biopsy, which is something fairly invasive, but that will, it, it will generally show sort of a chronic inflammation. It'll also confirm that the villi, the villi are the little hair-like structures in the small intestine that are the absorption sites within the gut, and they will be they will be changed, they'll be smaller. And also there might be slight hyperplasia, which is just a displacement of cells. And so upon the biopsy of, of the small intestine, this this essentially confirms the diagnosis. Okay, so well. the standard treatment for this, of course, is total withdrawal uh, and a permanent total withdrawal of gluten from the diet. So recently we've had um, you know a lot more gluten-free products available in the supermarkets and it seems to be in the news a lot more and uh, there's something there's quite a bit of literature on. Do you think it's this is just a bit of a fad and, and one of the sort of things of the, the new millennium or is it something that's just always been there and not so much in the news? Yeah, it, it it's really interesting because we have seen quite a lot more of it recently, and and it it is a bit of a fad. Um, you know, it's important to recognize the difference between the wheat-free and the gluten-free dieting as a fad, because what the intention of that is is to lose weight versus treating true celiac disease. Um, now, since the true celiac may not actually exhibit classic symptoms of, of celiac disease, it's, it's you know, really important to, make, to get tested just to be sure that you, know, you have true celiac. Um, and so also with the whole gluten-free diet and fad, there's been a, a vilification of wheat from fad diet proponents. So unless you are a true celiac as confirmed by the proper diagnostic procedures, then eating wheat is perfectly safe and it's perfectly fine. And people who follow this type of diet eliminating many staple foods such as you know your pastas and breads and these are foods that they would have been accustomed to eating previously and so by cutting them out it's going to result in a weight loss simply because they're reducing their calories relative from what they were previously and you know then they'll end up reporting results attractive such successful weight loss decreased bloating etc and it may just simply have been a case of them um, overeating those kinds of Obviously, full stop. Rather than, and you know, rather than going on the um, the gluten free diet. 
Okay. Hey, um, so for, for an athlete or for any day people, what are some of the day-to-day needs that you need to think of as if you are needing a gluten-free diet? Um, in terms of your actual nutrition requirements? Yeah, and maybe um, what's some common mistakes, first of all, that, that people make? Okay, well, um, one one thing that we see quite a lot of is people who have celiac disease using foods that have inaccurate labeling, which, you know, it, it results in a mistake of the person themselves because they might just simply not realize that there is, in fact, starch or starch thickeners being used in, in products, and this can be easily overlooked. So the best advice here is to, you know, seek help help from your local celiac society or from a, a dietitian. And another mistake is that people don't use properly qualified nutrition professionals such as registered dietitians or their celiac society for their diet assistance. If you use other types of nutritionists or herbalists or naturopaths who may have, you know, great advice in other areas, they may not, they may not have the qualifications specific to this area and that can lead to misinformation or leading down the fad diet track, which, you know, that's fine for, for non-true celiacs who are just, for people who are just doing it as a fad diet, but it's an appropriate advice for true celiacs. Um, other things too, I'd watch out for alcohol containing um, gluten, like beer and spirits. Most wines should be okay, but you want to check that the fermenting agent in wine is is not a gluten um, substance because sometimes they use starch for that purpose. So... But you're glad you. But you're glad you're not a uh, celiac. You wouldn't be able to drink all that beer, would you? I know. I'm. I'm a, a beer gobbler. I love my beer. I'd die if I was a celiac. So, so I mean, um, yeah. There's, there's one solution for anybody who do, does want a gluten-free diet. They can simply eat your power cookies every day. Your gluten-free power cookies. Breakfast, you know, lunch, breakfast, lunch dinner. dinner, and everything. But uh, yeah. failing that, if, if, if they don't have them uh, available to them every second of the day. What are some really good, um, you know, good options for, for people who are looking for a gluten-free diet for, for training? <laughs> yeah, well, well, the old power cookies certainly do fit the fit the bill. But fortunately, the food industry is getting better at producing breads and things that aren't too bad tasting. Also, crackers and cereals, including muesli, are gluten free. That that are actually actually aren't too bad. Um, rice crackers are a really nice alternative, as are corn tortillas. And there's also a lot of um, gluten-free bakeries now that make pretty yummy treats that are that are really good. Um, your your starchy carbohydrates, which you know tends to be the area where where people struggle with, you can obtain this you know this food group essentially from your from different things. You just have to kind of think outside the the, the square, you know, from your normal pasta and bread. But potatoes, corn tortillas, rice, and all beans and legumes are of course, you know, safe for celiacs, and they're all really healthy and highly nutritious foods. Um, you know, other food groups, of course, all meat, fish, natural dairy products, and eggs are okay, but you do want to watch out for processed meats and sausages that may have gluten in them in the form of starch. So here again, it's really important to check your food labels, especially with yogurts, because sometimes yogurts will have starch thickeners. And, of course, all fruits and vegetables are fair game for celiacs. Um, and since, you know, as a dietetic community, we're always pushing for people to increase the intakes of, of their fruits and veggies. So here for celiacs, it even gives more reason to follow suit to this to this recommendation. But um, interestingly, when I was doing a, a bit of research on this, um, what I found is that they 
the um, <clears throat> oats, um, you know, like like rolled oats and, yep. and oatmeal and stuff, have have previously been excluded in the celiac diet, and and in the research that I found, it actually can be added to the um, diet of adults with celiac disease without any adverse effects. So I thought that this was really really um, great news because that opens up a whole new food category really mm. for for those suffering. I actually mm-hmm. tried some San Marino have brought out um, gluten free pasta. Mm, yeah, the, the, the rep gave me some to try. It was, it was it tasted really good. It just tastes like pasta, mm. so I was really impressed. Anyway, um, race day really? nutrition. Yeah, yeah, totally, and it was really good. Like you wouldn't know because you flavor pasta, so you know you don't really you know. Yeah. I'm sure there's a slight difference, but yeah. Anyway, um, race yeah. day nutrition for a celiac. What what are we looking at? Yep. Well, most of um, most of your Energy drinks are gluten-free and should be safe. Again, check the labels. Of course, jelly beans and sugary products are okay as well. However, finding good sports bars that are gluten-free can be a challenge. So here, here you need to really shop around and, and look for, for a few different brands um, and try them in training before a race. Uh, specific health shops that carry a greater variety of gluten-free products, particularly muesli bars, um, might be a, a good option to, to look towards rather other than just your conventional grocery stores that sometimes have, uh, you know, limited selection. And then another option is to make sandwiches out of gluten-free bread. Here in Christchurch, there's a bread company called Dovedale Breads that make pretty good gluten-free breads. They they make one that's a fruit bread that's really yummy. And, for example, a honey sandwich on that fruit bread... Um, you can just put that in a baggie or something and, and take that with you while while training and racing. And, and that's something that I've personally done with sandwiches in general, and that, that works quite well. And also another option is is using steamed potatoes. I, I cook potatoes with – I put in heaps of salt, steam them up, and then I just have – like, you know, I use the littler ones. You know, a potato about yeah, – just, oh, just slightly bigger than an egg. Yep. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah, so just sort of a medium-sized potato with the skin, and you just steam it and have it in a little baggie and, and gobble them down. Gobble them down. Yeah, a few potatoes. Like those potatoes. So um, anything else, uh, <laughs> any, anything else sort of gluten-free diet we should be aware of or any other sort of little tips you might have there? Yeah, um, you know, obviously, if you if you're suspecting that you have celiac disease, and if you ex- exhibit any of those uh, previously mentioned symptoms, <laughs> definitely get yourself checked out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you experience itchy rashes, um, <laughs> also it's, rec- <laughs> it's recommended to supplement with calcium and vitamin D because these are the primary nutrients that we see losses of and deficiencies in with with celiacs. Oh, nice. And and. Yeah, and and also another thing that you may not um, hear too much about, but it's really important, is you know taking out gluten from the diet is really important to manage the symptoms of the disease, but it's also important to prevent certain malignancies because celiac disease is classically associated with T cell lymphoma of the small intestine, and also with cancer of the pharynx and esophagus. Esophagus. So. Yeah, so that's kind of a little bit more serious. So a strict gluten-free diet is instrumental in protecting against these malignancies. So, mm. so beware, beware. Hey, well, it's a pretty exciting time in your life at the moment right now because old Em has started some e-consulting. Yeah, so so you, yeah. you basically moved over to the the west coast, which for for non-New Zealanders is a pretty uh, quiet part of New Zealand, but. Yeah. The worldwide, the, it's the, for people who like lifestyle. It is. It's uh, <laughs> yes. obviously the internet uh, means we can pretty much carry on as usual. Um, so yeah, you're man. now sort of doing a little bit of uh, e-consulting for anybody who might be interested. Tell us a bit about that. 
Yeah, well, um, you know, being over here, obviously, you know, we we still have broadband internet, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'm I'm not consulting at Active Health anymore in Christchurch, but um, I've, I'm starting to open myself up for um, consulting via email. So what people can do is, if you're interested, you can get in touch with me. You can just email me Emily at PowerCookie. Com. Yep. And um, and what we'll do is, is go through an initial assessment and then um, sort of work on, on a program on a monthly basis. Mm. And and the charge for that will, will be $180, which includes your initial assessment going through, um, you know, sort of your training nutrition needs. And then, the, you know, once we get that dialed in, then we can start to fine tune your nutrition needs for um, a race or a specific event that you have coming up. <coughs> yeah, that's 180 New Zealand, and, isn't and it? That's all done by... Sorry, is one hundred eighty New Zealand dollars? Yeah, so for for yeah, Americans, that's like half. Yeah, yeah, so for Americans, it's probably about a hundred bucks US. Yeah. And for the palms, for palms, it's probably yeah. about eighty pounds yeah, or something so like cheap. that. So it's yep. uh, it's pretty good value. Yep. Yeah, I think it is, and it's and it's something that I, you know, the the couple people that I have done um, over the email, I think it's been really effective for them, and and it. It's really quick and easy, you know, and with, with the unlimited follow-up, you can kind of check in with me, um, you know, daily, weekly, whatever, and, oh, wow. and uh, we good. can go from there. Yeah. Although I don't want to get bombarded with, like, 50 people wanting me to do them. <laughs> I can really well. only manage a handful of people at a time. So. Yeah. Yeah. First in, first serve. First in, get on it. So we'll, we'll have a link to um, right. M's website. Uh, yep. On the, on the on the yep. on our website, and I have our email details there as well. And uh, if, if for some reason you can't find that, just get in touch with us, and we'll put you through to M. It's our job to deliver. So, um, any, yeah. any anything else happening in the world of M? You got any races coming up? Oh, oh man, you know it's so funny. Like since coast to coast, I'm I'm still recovering from my plantar fasciitis, and um, I I have been doing a wee bit of racing, but probably probably just racing and not a whole lot of training. Although yeah. having said that, I've I've got a I've got a few events coming up, which I'm pretty excited about. Like, um, there's this around Lake Brunner uh, yeah, road yeah. cycle race in a couple of weeks. Are you guys going to do that? No, no. Oh, no, I was thinking no, about yeah. it. Instead of doing a Hamner one, I might do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, of course, there's the Crazy Man Multisport Race in Wellington and the Mount Isabel Race in Hamner Springs. But these both require running, and because I'm still not running, I'm a wee bit concerned about how I'm going to do this. But, um, <laughs> but uh, what, what, I've, what I've got, I'm, I'm just going to do some active jogging and hope that my foot comes right in time for the races, so I can get into them. Because otherwise, I'm kind of kind of screwed. Yeah. But you know. Well, thanks very much for your time, Em, and we'll look forward to having you on the show again soon. And, and like we said, if anybody wants to get in touch with Em for some uh, e-consulting, first in, first served, powercookies.com. You can go on there and, and also get hold of some of those cookies. I'll tell you what, you'll love the cookies. Life-changing. Yeah. I need to put another order in soon. Mine are starting oh. to run out. Yeah. Oh, hey, on the cookie front, guys, I've got some exciting new news coming. Um, I'm working on some product development. Oh, it's which, exciting times. Yeah. It's very exciting times, and I've, I've actually just done. Last week, we did some trials at the bakery with with the new products, and they turned out really yummy. And I can't reveal too much at this stage, but all I can say is that they are more sort of sport oriented, and that my normal cookies, you know, they're quite a soft cookie, and they're a nice snack cookie. And so I've had people say that, you know, sometimes they're a bit too soft and they fall apart a wee bit. Yep. Um, but these new ones are more solid, like a. They're, mm. they're more solid. Nice. Solid. Oh, it's exciting. Solid, solid as a rock. 
Yeah. I've got a singer next to me. It's beautiful, I tell you. <laughs> right, we're going to go now, Em. But, but thanks. You've got the voice of an angel. <laughs> thanks for your time, Em, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. <laughs> Coach's Corner. I thought you could have done like a Pavarotti there, mate. Co- coaches! Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, pretty dramatic introduction there. Thank you, Bevan. Well, yeah. And uh, it's a pretty dramatic topic. So, we've been having a few questions coming through. Since we pretty much did Epic Camp, we've had lots and lots of people asking, what do I need to know to kind of run an Epic Camp for me and my training mates? And uh, what are some things that you really need to consider? Um, and it's been a real topic we've had so many questions mm. about. So, so finally, John's got round to got off my ass and, <laughs> <off> my ass. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, let's go through it. Yeah, so we did it. One of the emails we had was from uh, Kevin Kunkel. Kunkel. And where's he from? Works for the government. Works for the government in Reston, Virginia. Nice. So he was sort of just asking. He's sort of trying to get a few mates together, like Bevan said, to do this, to do like an epic week. So um, I thought it. Basically, just go through when, how much, what to do, and why you do do it, and also a few little things to be aware of. Um, in terms of what I tend to prescribe for athletes that I'm working with, uh, I think if you're just doing one, um, probably aiming to do it around about six to eight weeks out. Okay, so I'm going to ask lots right. of questions. So yeah. why is it so important then? Well, it's sort of coming right to the end of your your, yeah, your major base phase, and around about six to eight weeks should be really where your peak volume should be. And after that, you know, probably focusing a bit more on doing a little bit more race-specific work, just trying to increase the speed. I'm not a big believer in doing lots of speed work, but but a bit more sort of Ironman pace work and a bit of half Ironman pace work and so on. So um, I think, you know, finishing it by before, in time for six weeks to go before race day be around about right and that's sort of what we do with Epic Camp for, for timing wise um, what I did for my preparation for Challenge Wanaka was actually did two sort of big weeks um, and we did one around about six to eight weeks out and then I did another one around about 12 to 14 weeks out and I found that re- worked really really well didn't really make them you know, Epic Camp you know, 12 day long um, made them sort of around about uh, six or seven days long so so that's sort of about the timing that I, that I think would be around about right so if, preferably, would you do two? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. I think rather than doing one really big one, yep. I think you'd be better off doing two smaller ones. So instead of doing a 12-day camp, I think you'd be much better off, say, doing two six-day camps or something like that. Okay, nice. Or maybe maybe even 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 four days. You're still going to get plenty of benefit out of doing four Can days Can we do this long. like an interview? So, uh, so John, so uh, how much should you do in the camp? <laughs> Okay, Bevan. Sound like John Campbell. My my answer to that uh, is I think you need to be careful in going any more than a hundred percent increase in your you know your typical weekly volume. So, if you're a uh, you know somebody who does around about a twelve average of twelve hours a week, I think you need to be careful about about going anything more than twenty five hours a week. If you're a twenty hour um, average yep. per week, then I think you know potentially you could quite easily go up to around about 40 hours a week. That's so is that because you're just going too risky? Yeah, it's just too too big an increase and you need to prepare your body for it. You know, you don't want to just go out there and do it, do an epic week. You know, you need to have got got some big big training rides under you already so it's not such a shock to the system. But I think as, if you're going to go above um, 100% increase in what your normal training volume is, you've got to probably just be pretty careful about that. Okay, so question going back to question one then. Most people aren't going to be that fit 14 weeks out. Yeah. 
So you know, do you, well, how do you accommodate for that? Well, probably just don't probably just don't do quite as much. Okay. You know, you, you, they don't they don't both have to be identical weeks. You know. Yeah. Yeah. If if, if for example, say maybe you're a, an average of a 15 hour a training week person, maybe your first um, big week you might want to go up like to maybe 25 20, weeks. 25 hours, and yep. then and your second one you maybe go up to 30 hours, something yep. like that. Okay. Nice. Um, so. In the epic camp, uh, training camp, uh, what kind of focus should you do? What should you do? What should you do? I yeah. think you really should focus on your cycling. Uh, I, th- I think we've talked about sort of common epic protocols before. I mean, one that I like is basically doing a one-hour swim, a four-hour bike, and a one-hour run, and just sort of repeating repeating that. But, but very much the focus is on the cycling. You don't need to worry too much about intensity. It's really about getting the volume out of it. Uh, obviously, include some steady work in there, sort of Ironman pace stuff, especially in the back half of the the week um, but really treating as volume get into the hills a bit and uh, and really get your cycling volume up and probably avoid doing long runs I just keep you running going and likewise you're just swimming uh, you don't need to really do too much so, so why is the cycling so important it's just because cycling is such a you need to it's just about putting a lot of time just putting miles into the legs and you know by putting work and everything aside for a whole week it really means you can dedicate a lot of time and just getting that that deep deep aerobic base because in an Ironman, you know, say for the average average person, you're probably going to be out there for maybe around about six hours. Yeah, six to eight, really. Six to eight, yeah, for the for the bike ride. So you know, there's only so many six to eight hour bike rides you're going to do. So this yeah. is a really perfect opportunity to push the boundaries and really get some extra volume in there. And so when you come to race day, you're going to have more volume in your legs, which would mean you can do better on the run. And yeah, and also it's uh, it's just making things a bit more familiar. So when you are at race day. It's not such a hard effort. You know, you know what a six-hour bike ride feels like. You've done quite a few of them before, so. Okay. Um, just with regards to kind of planning what to do, what's some of the things you need to think of your outside barriers? Just need to basically. See how I did that there? You did. Yeah, nice, did well. you, mate. You should be professional. I, I, well, I should. Uh, I think you need to try and remove as many things as you can from your life. I think getting out of out get of your home, get rid of your family, get rid of work. Get rid and, of work. Uh, uh, great thing is to just go away to maybe a little cottage somewhere and uh, and just go with your mates and just basically train all day. Um, work just starts to get in the way. And I know the last time we did a, a, a big big week training, yeah. I started chopping little bits here and there just because I knew I had so much work to do. So so really try to get away from, from home, I'd suggest. So in regards to that, your, your friends, like how, what kind of crew should you get? Is, uh, is it important? Like, okay, so like you, you obviously got... You know, it's better to do it with more people because it's just too hard by yourself. Is there like do you make sure you only have people who have certain ability? And uh, I think it's a. I think you just you, you don't always want to be going to the slowest person, but yeah. I think uh, you know maybe you have two groups. I think it's it's fine to go out and just do your own thing. You know, if things split up a bit, that's fine. But I think yeah, like you said, it's really important to have a few people around you. It's very very difficult to do by yourself. I'm not saying it can't be done. I mean, Peter Reed's a good example of yeah. somebody he did a lot of training by himself. Um, but it but it is a much much easier. I did this morning. You did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But I think that's good for you every now and then. Yeah, get, but I heart. think um, doing some stuff with some mates is, is really important. Just one thing. I, yeah, I haven't got this up here on what to talk about, but I'm just throwing questions at you. Um, when it comes to that kind of stuff, like on Epic Camp, we had four or five people supporting us the whole time. You know, and and, and that was really easy. Do you think going into it, you actually have a management plan? Yeah, uh, you know, have all your meals planned out. It'd be really good. The to jobs maybe, people have to do and yeah, stuff like and that. Pre-prepare meals. Um, you know, if you've got a really good buffet place or something right next door which does, you know, huge big pasta meals, that might be a better idea than rather than cooking for yourself. You obviously want to try to keep the fat 
content down a bit, but if they do a good deal, then uh, that might be worth looking into. But yeah, definitely having a bit of organisation structure. And uh, I think is, is the good thing about something like that would be that you know you're pretty stressed when you come home from days like this, and if no one's really got a plan of who's cooking and stuff, mm. people are going to get pretty annoyed at each other, and there could be some tension, yeah. a bit of anger. Yeah. Whereas if you said, okay, the Monday you're cooking a meal, you know, this, everyone knows what going into it, what the plan is. So, nice. We like, wow. to be, we, we like to be organised. Well, you know, because you planned your wedding, didn't you? I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's some other things we need to be aware of? Um, massage, I think, is pretty important. Uh, you okay, know. so in this situation, again, I'm throwing more questions at you. Okay. Um, if you go away, if you mate somewhere, is that, what do you do? Massage your mate? You could do, if you're a massage therapist. There you go. But, you know, you, hopefully you might be going somewhere where there is one handy. But yep. I think, you know, if you're doing a six-day camp, it would be handy to get a, a light massage in there. I wouldn't say it's an absolute must. What you might want to schedule is at the end of the camp, um, when you go home, to get a massage or something like that, just to try to loosen you up. So on Epic Camp, we have uh, two massages per week. Yep. So Yeah, so uh, I think it's an important component of it. And, and a lot of guys end up having like six or seven days with Craig yeah. was having one every, every yeah. two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway on the bike, you'd get a massage. <laughs> <laughs> so I think massage is important. One of the other things you brought up was, you know, the support crew, and that really relates to nutrition. So, you know, you can still carry plenty of food yourself and just plan your routes so that, you know, you've got lunch stops and uh, or do loop rides from where you're actually staying. And uh, <laughs> nutrition is key, though. This is the girl, Lady Mary. You know Mary. Yeah. Um, the, one thing that's a really good idea is actually to, if you, to plan something like this. Have, have someone who's reasonably fit. We'll try to get two people who are reasonably fit. And what they do is they do half the training each on a day, and then they're kind of known to be the support person as well. And so they get their own training in, and but then at the same time they kind of do a little bit more work, and you maybe pay for their food and whatever. And so they yeah. get the experience, and they share the kind of roles. And uh, I think that's a good way of making sure that they get their own fitness needs in, but at the same time yeah. having some support yeah. there. It's really nice if you're halfway into a ride and you just roll up to a car and it's got all your drinks and everything yeah. you want, rather than going into a crappy sort of takeaway shop and trying to find a half-decent sandwich. So, yep. yeah, it's a really good point, a really, really good point, actually, um, having... Good point, Bevan. Well, I'm a thinker. Yeah, having some, having, having some, some helpers along the way. Yeah. Um, cleanliness. Yeah, so um, you know, make sure that you've got plenty of pairs of bike shorts and yep. reasonable quality bike shorts yep. and just you just got to keep washing them. Don't, don't go reusing. Because on, on Epic Camp, we had our washing done for us, so again, it's made it so much easier. The other thing they did on Epic Camp, which was, I felt was kind of important, was with, if you were sharing food, is they always had those, um, what are that, hand Gloves. stuff? No, the oh, hand yeah, stuff. Hand sanitizer? Yeah, hand sanitizer before we actually ate, so they'd have a big lot of food, and you always have to use the sanitizer before you actually grab the food, because... You know, people do get sick and, you know, you're often a bit dirty once you've been riding for three or four hours and so um, it was a good way to keep the cleanliness up. Mm. Uh, recovery. And recovery is pretty vital, you know, doing a little bit of stretching, massage can obviously help that, putting your legs up the wall, but probably the most important thing is at the end of each day to make sure you are getting that nutrition into you so you're going to recover okay for the next session. So it's important when you finish, it's also important, say, in your last hour on the bike each day is to make sure that you keep fueling all the way to the end yep. um, and that's going to help you recover a lot more. And even just doing a little bit of light swimming sometimes after you finish your bike and you run if you're right by a lake, um, you know, jumping in the lake to let your legs cool down and just doing a little bit of light swimming will probably help you recover as well. And early nights? Early nights, yep, not too much. So something else I was just going to say that I've completely forgotten now. Oh, come on, think about it. It'll come back to me later. So on. early nights, lots of sleep. 
Mm. Yeah. No, it's still not coming back to me. I'm, I'm trying to prolong it for you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, cool. So, what, uh, what else it, did you think on Epic Camp that, uh, uh, that we did well or? Uh, so tips. Well, I think the the washing thing because for us the washing thing was really easy because I, I to be honest I wore the same thing pretty much the whole camp but it was washed every night so and it was kind of my favourite chamois and stuff like that so it was kind of cool. Um, I think that to be aware of the stress in the camp. Um, just to, to be aware that there's going to be times where some people are going to find it a little bit stressful and that you just need to be aware of the group and now, to be honest on Epic Camp we had a great group of guys and, and there wasn't too many incidents or there's hardly any incidents where there's a bit of stress and, and so we all handled that pretty well but there could be times when that can be a little bit stressful so trying to find ways to actually deal with those issues as they come up um, yeah and just just the support I think and, you know it's about everyone and so it's not about you all being heroes and, that, and it's like riding with each other and all that kind of stuff so I think that be aware that while you're trying to get a gain from this, so everyone else is as well, and so to have that attitude going into it, and it's not about bringing us down. I guess one other thing is having a having actually planning the camp out before you go, rather than just turning up and saying we're doing six days big training or something. Yeah. Um, actually plan out your routes in advance, and so then if, if you have a slightly inclement day with the weather, you oh, don't sort nice. of start piking out and going, oh, what ride should we do today? Maybe we'll just do 60 kilometres or something like that. Yeah. Um, maybe have things all, all pre-planned. Obviously, if it's bucketing down with rain, maybe you might want to revise things and swap days around a little I bit think, I think one of the keys to Epic Camp was uh, the points I remember now I remember the what points. I was and so I think one thing you can do with your own group of mates is have a point system and then because to be honest on those days where you know it's raining and you know like normally you'd probably think oh guys let's do 60 and if everyone's kind of thinking oh let's do 60 but if you've got a point system in place and you know buy a cheap $25 t-shirt or you know buy something that someone actually gets to win and uh, it really motivates somebody to go out on those days and often you just need one or two people to actually say no nah, we're doing it and everyone thinks oh bugger it I'll do it too yeah. and so I think if you can create a, a bit of a point system or a bit of a system in it where you're motivated to do better um, that really to me that was one of you know like I've talked when we did the Epic Camp interviews I talked about how how easy it was to be motivated on the camp mm. and uh, to me the point system and I wasn't even in the point system but still it just it just being in that kind of environment where everyone's really focused and working hard the whole time I felt that you know try to create something like that for yourselves. Um, so if you want to go back to the Epic Camp Episodes, then you'll be able to find out more about the point system, how yeah. it works. So that will yeah. encourage you to go back and listen again. Nice. And just one other thing: as you're getting further into a camp, you probably start to worry a little bit less about heart rate and things like that. True. Um, you know, by the time you've you've done a few big days, your heart rate's going to be doing all sorts of funny things. So worry a little bit less on that and just go on perceived effort. And it's always interesting, you know, all these interviews we've been doing with a lot of the top guys is a lot of the time they are training to and racing to perceived efforts. So yeah. don't become so reliant on, on the tools. You know, they're tools and you're yeah. sort of like a little... But it's, it's, they're on. unique situations, aren't they? Like Epic Camp, all those types of trainings, isn't, you know, how often do you do that kind of training? Mm. And, you know, so your body is going to be under more stress. And, and a lot of guys on the camp are saying how they just couldn't get the heart rate up. Yeah. And I know it was the same for me, so... See. Very good. Nice. So that's our little block on epic training. And I, I remember a, a while ago we actually also did a chop, a, a slot on big week training, and some, we put in some other tips in there as well. Yeah, so so listen back on those check, past check, episodes. Check. Okay, uh, questions and answers. And we had our first question from Victor. 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 So and he's it's a great little question. So Victor's a young man, only 19, and I said to him at the time I was too busy trying to party when I was that age. And so, <laughs> and he's considering, I think he's done a 70.3. And he's considering, oh no, he's about to think about competing in 70.3 and eventually he wants to aim to do an Ironman. Now, his question was basically, what kind of age is a good age to maybe think of doing an Ironman? It's a bit of a tricky one because, you know, you, you always got to think about your athletic age versus your actual age. So, yep. if you, you know, 
if you're really well developed and you you went through puberty at a really young age, <laughs> your tubes at ten, yeah, <laughs> it may be that you're fully developed. If you're still growing and and going through growing pains and so on, then I'd probably discourage youngsters from doing Ironman. You probably get away with doing half Ironmans, but Ironman's pretty pretty tough on the old body. But it's the same deal. I mean, if if somebody who's 35 came to me and they hadn't been doing the sport for a lot for maybe for six months yeah. you know athletically they're very very young and yeah. I'd, I'd have the same advice I'd say you know get on the old John Newsom three year plan to doing Ironman the old John Newsom hey? you've got a patent there don't you should. <laughs> go on to Dragon's Den that's right yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd say it kind of depends on what sort of background if you've got Victor if you've got a really strong sporting background maybe you've been a a cyclist all the way through school or something like that then I don't think it's such a big challenge um, but I think you know starting off at a 70.3 a half Ironman is perfectly fine but but I'd probably steer away from maybe doing an Ironman until you're into your, your early 20s you know maybe 23, 24 and why is that just it's just going to damage them too much yeah you know you, if, you're not, not, if you're developed. not fully developed and you, yeah. s- you start cranking out these really big miles I think you can do some, some long term damage yeah. and it's going to be there for such a long time you know I think you're better off being patient and you also build up that big deep aerobic base and and you probably enjoy the, the day a whole lot more. Nice. Okay. Um, question number two from Ian Marksbury. Marksbury. Uh, and he's from San Diego, California. Nice. Uh, first of all, thanks for the show. Again, loving the show. You like that? Got lots of loving the shows lately. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved the Peter Reed interview. Yeah, it was popular. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that. Um, anyway, what's his question? About to buy a bike. He's pointing to me, he's saying, read the question. I'm about to buy a bike, gone on two respected shops. Uh, first suggested that I buy a tri-bike if I'm planning to do triathlons. The second said buy a road bike. Uh, it will be your only bike, uh, if it's your only bike, in which case it will be for him. He wants to spend about 2500 US, but... Don't, don't say that, because his wife might be listening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to spend $500 US. <laughs> So, uh, just gonna have to, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> what's, what's, what's your advice here, Bevan? I think, uh, road, uh, it really depends on what you're gonna do. So, like, for me, I do a lot of road bike racing. Yeah. So, I, so the road bike is better, and, uh, and, cause, like, for example, if you get, uh, what are the bars? I don't even know what they're called, the bars that are just got the, uh, bullhorns. Bullhorns. If you're gonna get bullhorns, you can't do road bike racing, and so there's a real restriction in addition when you put new bars on every time you race. So, I, I think it really, if you can afford to have two bikes, you'd have one of each. I think, ideally, you want a road bike. I'll go the other way. Oh, nice. Well, you're the but, coach. But, but I'd suggest you, you know, obviously probably maybe don't get the bullhorn, like get a, a fairly try, sort of get a bit of, they do have quite a few sort of um, bikes that are sort of half try, half road. So I'd sort of sit on, sit on the fence, sit in the middle. Okay, so what about, what, what's the difference getting, for those who don't know? Try bike? Tri bike is a lot more, lower. a lot lower, uh, a little bit longer. You get, the things you're going to miss out on with a, a tri bike is you less handling ability they don't climb quite as well yeah um so this harder is, on your lower back yeah especially if you don't like, like ride training for all the time yeah so there's there's, there's de- definite downsides to it um but i think the upsides probably uh outweigh those but i would say a little faster for race day faster for race day yeah. but I, I agree with bevan you know if, if you are interested in doing some bike racing then just get some standard handlebars and just have some clip-on aero bars that's what i've got yeah what a lot of people have and just avoid the old bullhorns and if you're good at set up on yeah. a road bike there's yeah. no huge difference yeah so um, it's, our, it's our two cents worth. And also, what, what's the colour of the bikes? Obviously, really important. Um, well, I've got a white bike at the moment. And I need a new bike. Actually. If someone wants to sponsor me for a bike, my bike's getting a bit tired. It's a good bike, and I've, I've got my usage out of it. But So if anyone wants to sponsor me for a bike, go on. I really need a new one. Right Okay, question number three from Richard Pryor. Okay, so his question was really... Wind magnet. Wind, wind <laughs> That's his name. I've seen a forum. Okay. It's uh, sensational. He was sort of asking about... 
more or less the easiest way to, to qualify for Kona. You know, oh. are there any easier races? Uh, and what I suggest, I'd say Ironman New Zealand is probably one of the easiest races to qualify at. So yeah. you really just need to go to the Ironman site and you can see the different uh, races that have and how many slots they have. Like New Zealand had 80, 80 slots yeah. this year. And only so, 10 of those are pros, so exactly. you had 70 age group slots. So the, and you, but then you look at some of the newer Ironman races and they're struggling to get a lot of slots. So Ironman UK I think only has about 30 slots or something yeah. like that. So, and Western Australia only had like... Yeah, 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 so that's the first step is actually seeing how many slots are at each race. Uh, there's definitely harder races to qualify. Like I said, I think New Zealand's a very easy place to qualify. Not very easy, but easier yep. place. Yep. If you go to Ironman Germany, man, you've got to basically be a semi-professional athlete, I think, to yep. qualify in the age group. Even groups. at the 75 so, <laughs> age group. <laughs> yeah. So I think those um, the early season races um, in New Zealand is easy. Uh and I think that then again, the late season races are a bit easier as well. I think Canada is a relative, is an easy-ish place to qualify. I think the times are a little bit slower, basically because it is so close to Kona. <clears throat> uh, but if anybody has done any research, I'd be interested to see. You know, if, if any, I'm sure there's people out there that have done gone through all the different races and figured out what times you need to do at what races. Yeah, but that's a dangerous game to play to me because it's like, you know, you can do your research, and but one year's different. You know, like. It, it is, it is, um, <clears throat> but but often you can see trends over over time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, basically, my, my answer would be New Zealand's probably the easiest place to qualify. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if a race has more slots, there's more chance. And generally, mm. the race times on all age groups are pretty similar, depending on the course. But you know, so you can kind of figure that out. If you can do your research into the course as well. So, for example, if you're going to a race that was really fast, you know that you know that your time will be faster. Well, in theory, should be faster against the time, a race that's really slow so you kind of get an idea of where you've finished in the field maybe let's say in New Zealand it's kind of a not really hard but not really easy course mm. so you know okay let's say I had 11 hours there in a place like uh, Root which isn't really Ironman but you know maybe you go 20 minutes faster than you so it gives you a place of where you'd be in that and then go from there mm. yeah so there we go to get the slots get in the raffle too this last question was, was a bit of an old one actually <laughs> I was just sort of going through the old, all the old questions and just saw that one ripped it out nice so it was from David Durant uh, I think it's in America nice gym and class hero it's a good email name yeah <laughs> and I want that name he's an, Aus- he's an Aussie Aussie and, he, and he's living in Utah going to beat you in the cricket Utah in America <laughs> probably doesn't get the cricket coverage over there yeah. um, he's considering competing in the Queenstown Challenge Race oh. so this is a bit old yeah. uh, his question no no but I think next year next year well, yeah. his question well it was back in August I think. <laughs> his question is should he attempt to peak in the month, uh, in the middle of winter, or should he wait till the summer of two thousand and eight to compete? So, it is very difficult coming out from yeah. America to compete. And so, the basic uh, question is: Should you be tra- aiming to a race where you have to train through winter to come yeah, into it? Yep. Yeah. So, we, Peter Reid mentioned this last week. You know, he really wanted to come out and do New Zealand, but it was just too hard for him to train through winter. Yeah. And and Utah, from I what think I understand, he knew we were doing it too. Exactly. Yeah. He was very very scared. You know. Yeah. <laughs> petrified but but I think if you're living in somewhere like Utah which I think has a pretty harsh winter then it is going to be very very difficult if you're coming out of somewhere with a slightly more moderate climate like New Zealand or Australia I don't think there's any problem at all training all the way through winter yep. I think if you can't ride your, your road bike during what your winter I think you're really going to struggle to, to, to have a really good race you definitely can train up and get yeah. through the race but to have a really good race I think you'll really struggle and given that uh, challenge Wanaka will be in the middle of winter for any Northern Hemisphere athletes. I think it'll be a bit of a challenge. But 
you come down and stay in Bevan's uh, palatial yeah, flat yeah, uh, right. and do a couple of months training down here if you want to right. get ready. Yeah, can, can come live with me. Yeah. It's, um, I think one of the things with it as well is that sometimes training through winter, and if you can't train on your days, you, you can get really frustrated and it can have a negative effect psychologically mm. as well. That you, you know, you're, you've meant to do your big ride today and it's crap weather, and it's, you know, and sometimes the weather is just impossible to do your training. And uh, that can actually get on top of you and you start to feel like you're getting behind. So that's something to consider when you're... I mean, if you're again, another point there is if you're lifestyle warriors like Bevan and myself, yeah. um, then we've got a bit more flexibility in our days. You can days. change so, around a bit, yeah, yeah. If it's pissing down with rain, we can shift the long bike. If you're a weekend warrior, as opposed to a lifestyle warrior... Well, we're then, all warriors. <laughs> then you've only really got Saturday, Sunday to do your long ride, then you're kind of a bit screwed if you can't get it in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially if you've got like, three weeks in a row. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, but everyone, come to Challenge Quantica. Yeah. <laughs> so we had our first uh, Skype question, and it's a pretty exciting time, so let's chuck it on. It's from Fegan. Let's have a look. Here we go. Hi, this is Fegan in Scotland. I'm just wondering when you're going to uh, launch your Iron Man Talk <clears throat> kit, so we can all go around with some um, sexy Iron Man Talk game Man Talk gear. Cheers. So that's a great question, Fagan. <laughs> great question. And Fagan, you are a champion winner because you win striding on the DVD on how to become a faster and more efficient runner. Yes. And we're going to do a product review centre on this probably next week. Yes. And uh, I've been watching it myself. I'm very impressed. Good. I've been a faster runner. Good. And more efficient. You will be. And uh, But anyway, Fagan's question was basically, when are we getting a kit? They want a kit. Everyone, you guys it. want a, You want a kit, don't you? I've got a sample and I've got another sample arriving. Uh, I've got a few people. You told me that? Well, I've showed you the sample last oh, week. Oh, that sample, yeah, true, you yeah, did so we're working on it. We, well, one thing we maybe well, a few guys could um, tell us is what kind of price point would you be willing to pay? Because yeah. <laughs> um, the different ones, you know, the more you pay, the more for you get. For a bike get. jersey. For, yeah, for, for a bike for jersey. A, we're thinking a bike top. Short sleeve, long zip bike jersey. Yeah, um, how much, what, what kind of do you feel would be a reasonable price um, that way we kind of work based on that? Um, but yeah, definitely we really want to get it out there and hopefully we can get it out before I go to root mm-hmm. and, uh, and it'd be really exciting. So uh, thanks for Fegan being our first email person on Skype to get a couple of other people and just the guy who was actually doing the Peter Reed thing, um, transitions.com, just oh, yeah. to give him a bit of a plug, he's the one who's they're putting together a group of people who do a 70.3, I can't remember which race it is, and uh, so check out their website and they're basically following these people doing the whole race and stuff, we may go into it a little bit further later on. So anyway. And special thanks to Cough. Coffees of Hawaii. Hawaii. Now I've got some good news for you. I've been doing my research. Yeah. Well, actually, Albert told me. But uh, last week in the show, I was talking about what's French roast, and he said French roast is a darker roast. Yes. The longer you roast the beans, the more the oils and caffeine are extracted from the bean. Hence, it's stronger. Okay. And then, but wait, but there's wait more. more. Italian roast is even, even darker. darker. So I imagine it's obviously just a different taste. Yes. Nice. Just doing the work for you guys, you know, doing the work for you. you If you go to coffeesofhawaii.com, you can get all your coffee needs. If you're in North America, just order through the site. If you're anywhere else in the world, just pop them an email and uh, and they'll look after your needs. And you notice something right now? Bevan's got his coffees. I've been wearing it all week. Oh dear. I'm proud of it, man. Coffees are white. Haven't washed it, I'm a bit stinky. I noticed that. (laughs) Just um, whatever. So, you know, let's look at a product because we like supporting the company. What else have we got here? Shopping cart. Oh, roasted coffee. Go on, John. Go on. Choose okay, one. So there, we've got the we've got the uh, French roast up there. Yeah. So do you know how they do that? It's a darker bean. Yeah, it's a darker bean. <laughs> yep. And French roast. And we talked about French roast last week. Let's choose a new one. Oh, the special. It's special. Okay. Hawaiian Island Style Blend. Which is a medium dark roast. Medium dark. So mm. the oils don't come out so much. Exactly. So I wonder if the oils come out so much because it's saying the caffeine comes out. Is it is it like more of a caffeine effect with the French stuff? 
I'd start imagine so, and then Italians even more caffeine. So you must get a real hit I from imagine. it. Imagine, yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe we should make a take a little trip over to Coffees of Hawaii. I would love to do their tour their Yeah, man, that'd be sensational. So if, you, if you are over in Hawaii, go and there, go over there, little tour. So Coffees of Hawaii, um, check it out. They've got special. It's four dollars ninety five for seven ounces of pure island pleasure. Mm. And you go to their website www.coffeesofhawaii.com, and uh, you can get that if you're in America or Canada. It ships directly to you. If not, you can email them and they'll say, just say we're an Iron Man Talk listener and they'll do you a deal. Very good. Because they love you. Yes. Um, we love them. Oh, it's, it's big for you. It is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, mate. You've just gone up to don't, my books. Don't go telling Belinda I say, say that word. <laughs> oh, you don't tell me you love it. Of course. Oh, you yeah. Like five times a day? Yeah. But do you text her just occasionally no. say, I hate texting. But come on, you make a day. Go on, do it now. No. Oh, I'm going to text him making it like I'm you. So we're going to use this random guy. And we might have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got to do? Okay, we've got to get back to focus. Okay. If you have any email questions, you can email us on ironmantalk at gmail.com uh, for any questions. And uh, on this coaching website? triathloncoach.net that's sensational other things we need to know um, if you go to our website for the show notes Talk. remember the Skype option is there if you want to Skype us a question one thing I was thinking on the bike the other day actually is that if you're going to do an Ironman race I'd love it if you could do us a race report hmm you, you, you like that idea? A brief race report oh yeah okay <laughs> but I'm thinking what we may do is we actually may give a list of questions Right. We may, if you want to do a race report for us, email us and we'll give you a list of maybe five questions. We don't, we don't want something that's 20 minutes long, we want something that's brief, maybe two or three minutes max. And uh, we could send you some questions that we can then have. And then it's just a better way of having a feel of what actually happened on the day. If you want to support Iron Man Talk by donating for us, oh! That's my alarm. It's his alarm, he's got to go in a minute. Get the hell out of here. Oh, well, turn it off. I'm turning oh, I'm it off. To, I'm trying to wrap it up. Um, if you want to support the show, you can donate to Iron Man Talk, and there's a PayPal link. PayPal. Oh, I do it every time, don't I? PayPal link on our website. Yeah. Now, there's no um, amount. You can just choose, but you can put whatever you want in there. Uh, people have been doing that, and we really appreciate that. It's just John and I want to get the show bigger, and uh, we want to get a laptop. We want to get an Apple laptop so we can actually do more stuff on the road. Plus, we've started advertising. You may have noticed the American listeners. You may have noticed on some websites that we've been doing some Google AdSense website stuff. Don't, don't click on the ads, though. Don't, yeah, because it costs us. <laughs> so if you listen, don't do it. One thing I would love to hear is if somebody's actually started listening to the show through the ads, because we can monitor how many people actually click to the website, but then we're not sure how many people can download the show through that ad. So uh, if you're a new listener and you've found out about us through Google AdSense, that'd be really great. John's giving me the hurry up. Hurry up. Um, anything else? Click on one ad on the website, Amazon Store. People have been doing lots of buying on the Amazon Store this week. We really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, anything else? What are you up to for the rest of the day, John? Um, about to go do some work, and then I'm going to Swim Flume tomorrow down to Dunedin. So oh, looking forward to that. Maybe you should do a, a session on that. I should, actually. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see what I can come up with. Um, and then I'm going to go sleep. Good. Right after this, and have a shower, because I've stunk next to John yeah. the whole time in my Coffees of Hawaii t-shirt. And yeah, I would be so disappointed in you. Why? He's stinking out his t-shirt. No, but because um, if you wear it lots, like, you're supporting them. Okay. Okay. There we go. So anyway. Very good. And we'll see you back next week for our one-year birthday oh, special. Okay, I'm just going to take one more minute. Okay. It's a big week next week because we're doing the one-year special. There's going to be some highlights in there. I'm thinking I'll put some theme music in the background oh, and have like a, a, like a segue and... <laughs> Oh, mate, I'm not going to sleep this week. I'm so oh, excited. Hey, not to see you. I thought you said you were just going well, to sleep. Well, I'm not going to. Like, I just got all in tune and rush. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's better than, better than love. So we better see if we can get this bloody insane right this week. Okay. Just stuff it up, Russ. Who can't? Iron Rusks. I mean, don't. Train hard.
train smash <laughs> to your car.